If you have your Bible, open it to Psalm 27, or you can follow along in your worship guide. I'll read the passage and then ask you to respond with me at the end together. We continue this morning in our series on timeless questions from the Psalms. We will hear God's Word from Psalm 27, and we will see God's Word as we come to partake in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. I invite you to come back tonight for the evening Bible hour. Pastor Ben will be continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke. But for this morning, we have Psalm 27 before us, and this is the Word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Please join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have given us your word this morning, and it will, in fact, stand forever. It is true. It is certain. We can bank our lives on it. Father, we need no other speaking of anything else but you to us this morning through the power of your word. So we pray that you would come and speak to us, O Lord, as we listen. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When Pastor John introduced this series a few weeks ago, he described it this way. He said, they are cries from the heart, questions from the heart, questions that keep us up at night, our natural curiosity about God and his world, Questions that we ask during the long, dark night of the soul. Questions that don't always have a neat, succinct, and tidy answer. You know, I'm so glad that we're taking some time to consider a few of the Psalms and the questions that they ask before we move to a new book of the Bible. I'm glad because the Psalms are full of emotions. 
Yes, I said it, emotions. Our hearts are the center of our emotions. And the Psalms are the cries from our hearts. They're cries of lament, cries of confidence, cries of thanks, and cries of praise. Now let's be honest this morning. In our world, we primarily focus on what we know to be true. And we should, rightly so. We focus on our minds, the center of our intellects. And so we process things accordingly. If A, B, C is true, then X, Y, Z is how I am to respond, or how I am to live, or how I am to feel. But you know, in the day-in, day-out reality of the Christian life, things don't always happen this way, right? In the circumstances of life, because we live in a sin-sick world filled with thorns and thistles, what we know in our minds doesn't always flow down to our hearts. And then we question. We question God. And we question His plan. And our questions have great potential to lead us into fear and into anxiety and confusion and even into despair. Christians very much experience these things. But questioning is not necessarily a bad thing, though. We're actually in good company with King David and the other psalmists that we've looked at. The questions that they struggled through are often the same questions that we struggle through. So far in this series, we've looked at several. Why do the nations rage? What is man? When will I be comforted? People in today's world are asking lots of questions. Now, if you don't hear them, maybe they're not asking them out loud, or maybe they're not asking them directly to you, but nevertheless, they are asking questions. And I can promise you, young people are asking lots of questions, and they might be asking by just simply looking at your life. But often people suffer through these questions silently. No Christian should suffer alone through questions about God and his world. God has been gracious to us to give us one another, the body of Christ, and so we walk through these questions together as the people of God. As well, non-Christians should be able to ask honest questions about God and his world. They should be able to ask free from judgment and free from condemnation on our parts. God has commissioned us as his people to be able to give honest answers, truthful answers, graciously and compassionately. And so we come to today's question in Psalm 27, whom shall I fear? Depending on how we answer this question, it says a great deal about our understanding of God and the Christian life. And what I want us to see this morning is how David walks us through the Christian's response to fear. Or, very practically, you could say three things that Christians can do in the face of fear. We believe, we pray, and we wait. First, we believe. Look at verses 1 through 6. And note here who is talking to who. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of comfort, in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David begins this psalm by teaching us what we are to believe concerning fear. Now, if Christians are nothing else, at least we are people who believe. We believe what God tells us in his word. Now, we might not always do that perfectly. I often find that my believing is quite weak. And I find myself agreeing with the father of the boy with an unclean spirit when he cries out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. But unbelief is detrimental to the Christian who is facing fear. You know, I think about in Hebrews chapter 3, When the people of God are trying to enter into the promised land, and they do not enter. And the writer tells us very clearly why in verses 12 and 19, Hebrews 3, 12 and 19. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In verse 19, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief is detrimental to the people of God. It keeps them from God's rest. The first six verses are David telling himself, telling himself what he believes, what he knows to be true. That's what we find here in Psalm 27. He is basically talking to himself, but in a good way. He's telling himself what God has already told him in his word. Now, we don't really know the specifics or the context of this psalm, We don't know exactly what David was going through or dealing with so that he would write this psalm. Some have speculated that he wrote this when he was on the run from Saul in 1 Samuel 22 and 23, and that's possible. But in reality, David always found himself in some type of situation or circumstance that would lead him into fear. He had many different opportunities for that to take place. Because fear is a tricky thing, it hits different people in different ways. And so what are you fearful of today? What are you afraid of? You know, when I was working in sales many years ago before I felt the Lord's call to ministry, I used to work in inside sales, and I worked with a guy who was afraid to drive on the interstate. Yes, he was afraid to drive on the interstate. What, would, what should have taken him about 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes to get to work, ended up taking him about two to three hours every day, twice a day, there and home, because he wouldn't drive on the interstate. He only took back roads. Maybe some of you have that fear. I never understood that fear because I don't have a problem with driving on the interstate. It hits people in different ways. So what is it for you? 
Is it snakes or spiders or critters? I know at my house, when a mouse or a spider shows up, there's a lot of jumping on the chair and jumping on the couch and screaming and everybody going crazy. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's a a dangerous situation walking in downtown Atlanta at night. Or maybe it's just you're walking into your house alone at night. Maybe that makes you fearful. Maybe it's the thought of going to war, our nation, or maybe yourself or someone you love, maybe a child or a grandchild that will go to war. Or maybe it's terrorism in general. You're fearful of what's happening in our nation today. Is it losing your job or how you will provide for your family if you are to lose your job? Maybe that keeps you up at night. Or maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your children. You want to protect them from the world, so you wrap them up in a bubble to care for them. Maybe it's fear of rejection. You know that there's a neighbor down the street that you want to and need to share the gospel with, but you're scared of rejection. Maybe you're fearful of rejection from your spouse. Maybe you just want to be liked by others, and you're fearful that people won't like you. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe you're fearful of getting the vaccine, or you're fearful of not getting the vaccine. Or a sickness like cancer, or maybe you're even fearful of death. Fear hits different people in different ways, and often fear is irrelevant until it strikes close at home. You know, I didn't know what it was like to be afraid to lose a child until I lost a child. As we read through the first part of this psalm, David is telling us he has no reason to fear because of what he believes. And this we believe as well. The Lord is light in the midst of our darkness. The Lord will rescue his people from evildoers. The Lord is our security, our stronghold, our shelter. The Lord will cause our enemies to stumble and fall. The Lord is our confidence, our courage. This we believe is God's people. Friends, we have nothing to fear when we believe God's promises. But we must know God's promises to believe God's promises. The second thing we see here is that we pray. We pray what we believe. Now there's a transition here in verse 7 beginning where David begins to teach us how we are to pray in the face of fear. Up to this point, David has been talking to himself, but now he begins to talk to the Lord. Verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. You know, each one of these requests fall under one main request, and I call it the umbrella request. And that is, David is asking for God's presence. Please listen to me. Please answer me. 
Do not hide from me. Do not turn away from me. Do not reject me. Do not leave me or abandon me. Walk with me so that I will not be alone or afraid. You know, the very near presence of the living God is the most comforting and the most peaceful feeling a person can have. God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. It's the most comforting and most peaceful feeling a person can have. Yes, feeling because our heads can tell us that the Lord is with us. But even though we know it and we believe it, we still might feel alone. We still might feel fearful or anxious or worried. And during these times, especially during these times, we pray for the Lord to be very near in our struggles. I've been reading C.S. Lewis's The Horse and His Boy recently. In this fairy tale, the boy Shasta finds out that he's going to be sold into slavery. And so he decides to escape after meeting a talking horse named Bree who was stolen from Narnia. And so the story, it tells of all the adventures and the struggles that they encounter as they journey together from oppression to freedom in Narnia. And at one point, Shasta is walking through a very dark and very cold and, and dense forest. There's dense fog all around. He's tired. He's been crying. He's been feeling sorry for himself. And he discovers as he's walking someone or something that is walking beside him very quietly. He has the impression that it's something very large because the breathing is very deep and slow. He can almost feel the breath. After a while, Shasta can't take it anymore, and so he asks in a whisper, Who are you? And the thing says back to him, One who has waited long for you to speak. I can't see you at all, said Shasta. Once more, he feels the warm breath of the thing on his hand and his face, and it says to him, This is not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. And as Shasta began to share all of his sorrows, the thing began to explain to Shasta he had walked with him the whole journey, through every struggle, through every fear. So Lewis writes, Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost. But a new and different sort of trembling came over him. Yet he felt glad, too, And the mist was turning from from black to gray and from gray to white, and the whiteness became a shining whiteness. And somewhere ahead, he could hear birds singing. He knew the night was over at last. He turned and he saw, walking beside him, a lion, Aslan. And it was from the lion that the light came. The Lord walks with us in our fears. And he waits long for us to speak to him of our sorrows. And when we do that, his light will come eventually. So finally, we wait. We believe, we pray, and we wait. Verses 13 and 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David teaches us to wait on the Lord. The Christian that waits on the Lord will be the strongest, most courageous Christian. If you're not very good at waiting, 
you probably struggle in the Christian life too. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. The Lord needs to teach us that often. Very much of the Christian life is believing what God says, praying for God to work, and then waiting to see what God does. Sometimes waiting is a very hard thing, but this is not a passive indifference or whatever happens, happens type of waiting. It's an active, seeking, confident, and trusting type of waiting. You see, throughout the Bible, fear is often associated with darkness. And in the darkness, we cannot see. But the Lord is our light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. When we dwell in the presence of the Lord, look upon or gaze upon His beauty, seek His face, our darkness, our fears begin to fade. So how do we wait like that? Well, Jesus tells us in John 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full into his wonderful face, the things of the world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. But then also today, very specifically, we come to the Lord's table. And Paul tells us, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We wait until he comes. Jesus also says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We go to Jesus. We wait and we find courage and strength to face our fears. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for your word this morning. We thank you that we, as Christians, as your people, we believe in your promises because you've taught us your promises. Father, you've taught us how to pray your promises back to you. And then, Lord, oftentimes we wait to see you work. And so, Lord, I want to pray for your people even now, and pray for myself that as we struggle through various different things, things that hit us in different ways, things that cause us to be fearful in life, I pray that you would be our light, that you would be our stronghold, that you would be our salvation today and all the days of our lives. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.